Hello and welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sandan. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we chat with artist and radio host Avnisha Martins. We spoke about so much with Avnisha, from her career as a singer-songwriter and her love for acting, to how platforms like TikTok helped her career and her gig as a radio host on Kata 96.1. Avnisha has incredible energy and was so much fun to talk to and not to mention an absolute inspiration. We're so keen for you to hear this one, so let's get right into it. Avnisha, hello. We are very much looking forward to chatting with you today and getting to know you a little bit. I first came across you when I switched on my car radio (laughs) many months ago this year and I heard Flex Mommy come up on 96.1 and I was like, hang on, when was Flex Mommy on this radio channel? And then I heard your segment called Keeping Up With Avnisha and I thought, hang on a second, Avnisha, that is a South Asian (laughs) name. Is there a South Asian woman on the radio? So I literally looked you up when I got home afterwards and I was so proud to see a brown person, a person of colour on there along with the rest of the work that Kate is doing, which we'll get to in a second. But yeah, super stoked to have you on. Oh, thank you. That actually makes me so happy, you know, especially when people reach out and say that, like, you know, it's really cool to see another Punjabi, another Indian, just a person of colour on the radio doing the thing. It makes me super happy to hear that. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. No doubt. And like Romy said, we're super keen to unpack your life in radio and the media world. But Anisha, you're a multi-talented force, mm-hmm. not only being a radio presenter, but also being an actress and singer-songwriter as well. Of all of your creative pursuits, do you remember which one you fell in love with first and when you realised that you were a creative? Look, honestly, it, it like goes all the way. I feel like this is so cliche every time I say it. It started when I was so young. But it, honestly, <laughs> like I was singing ever since I could remember. And my dad is a massive influence. And I always say that because he's been singing like for all his life as well. And he loves it. And he basically kind of introduced me to it. He would want me to perform, sing. You know, if it was Shabbat Keaton, mm-hmm. we would go to the Gudwara all the way to like buying me instruments, being like, you should learn this or that. And I um, really supported it, nurtured it. And then even went as far to start an association, which he did because of his love of music. But he would always make me perform there, like got me on the stage to perform. And right. it was amazing. And so I wow. kind of did a bit of everything and then eventually realized I love writing mm. songs, writing music. And that's a whole another journey of the, I guess, the trajectory I took with my singing and music and stuff as well. But um, definitely singing my first love. Mm. And then everything else. I love the creative industry. So, yeah. you know, acting yeah. and then presenting and all of that came afterwards. That's awesome. Do you think your dad low-key started the association just for you and 100. then just like labelled it under the association for <laughs> it's everyone It's an ongoing else? joke. Such a proud brown parent thing <laughs> yeah. to do as well. I know. That would be such a brown parent thing to do. That's He's I like, asked. no one will know. This is great. <laughs> this but is but, um, all for you. You're the star of this show. He gave me like prime time on the stage as well. It's like when there was full capacity in the audience. It's like, oh, my daughter shall perform. <laughs> I love Terrible. that. Oh my gosh. And you also, I think it was about two years ago, right? Started posting TikTok videos. Some of them imitating your Indian parents. We watched those. They're so funny. Mm -hmm. I can totally relate to inhaling steam from a pot as a cold remedy, by the way. Thank you. I think I've even recommended this to like everyone that I know, even like some non-brown colleagues. And they've been like, what are you talking about? I'm like, trust me. I think it actually works. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that though, because 
first of all, I completely somehow got rid of that memory. And I saw this picture <laughs> of someone inhaling, using a pot and inhaling. I don't know what it was, like Vicks or something. <laughs> I had a memory unlocked. I was like, wait a minute. I had like 50 memories just passed by. I was like, I need to make a video about this ASAP. But um, yeah, if this is a thing that many of us, I've gone through. I swear it works. I still do it to yeah, this it day. Yeah, it works. Um, it works. I agree. It seriously does. Yeah. But what role did TikTok play in influencing your media career? Massive. Yeah? Honestly, the love I have for TikTok. Yeah. It's kind of really fascinating. Um, and I'm sure we'll touch upon this later, but just to kind of give it a brief overview in a nutshell, I was, as I said, doing singing like, you know, that was my thing. I wanted to be a singer, but I just didn't think it was possible right. when... I was pursuing it. I remember in high school, I created a YouTube channel and I was like, I'm just going to put covers on the internet. And that was kind of my way to put the songs that I've written out there. And then around that time, I also was in a girl group. Long story short, that went for five years and it was amazing. I learned a lot, but the biggest thing I learned, and I guess the most important besides the friendships I made was that I kind of saw the business side of the music as well as how to get a song out from beginning to end. And it was that that propelled me to find TikTok when I was about to release my mm. first song. Um, so then, yeah, I found TikTok at that point and it was kind of a beautiful full circle moment because I was like, you know what, I'm going to put the music out. I'm going to put it on TikTok. That's the best way to market it. And then I saw all these incredible creators posting all different types of videos. And I kind of thought to myself, well, I love acting. I love doing all of that. And my husband, he even confirmed it. He was like, you should put acting videos. He's like, you're super weird as well. So don't take that out of disrespect. <laughs> but the world should see it. And I was like, is this a dick? Yeah. Like, that sounds like a backhanded compliment. Like. Um, but no, I'm so glad he pushed me to do it because I started posting videos. Some of them I have definitely deleted because they were there's like weird and there's like you get past that threshold. And I'm like, right, let's take some of those back. Uh, but I then kind of found a niche with like different types of acting content. Of course, my parents that I do, like these characters, they're not my parents, even though my dad believes it's him and he loves it. Um, it's definitely these made up characters. But I found that and that it just kind of, it was definitely like, it took two years of consistency and whatnot, but it grew, it grew, it grew. And that's when all these opportunities started presenting itself mm. from presenting to doing, you know, working with brands, to kind of radio, figuring out all this different media that's out yeah. there. And I was super keen to like give it a go. So I thank TikTok a lot for a lot of the opportunities I've got. Yeah, TikTok seems like a really interesting space to be in as an independent musician specifically, because like you said, you spent five years in the industry, but I'm assuming that that would have been down kind of a more structured, generic path of being with labels and ARs and things like that. Whereas TikTok, you have this space where you can be yourself and actually potentially get the same level of success that you might have faster compared to the typical label path. Oh, 100%. 100%. And like, I think what I love about TikTok is, is that, especially when the time I joined it, and even now I would say definitely to some degree, is that it's really lighthearted. And people are willing to have a laugh and show all their different sides to their personalities. And at least that's what I got when I first joined TikTok, which I love. And I'm like, I want to put that out there. Mm -hmm. Like I see myself as an artist and I want to put music out there, but I'm also X, Y, and Z. Like we're also multifaceted. Mm -hmm. And to be able to showcase those sides is super important to me. Hence why I feel like I do, you know, what's that saying? Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's where I'm at, but I love doing 
kind of all bits and bobs. And I think TikTok's a really good reflection of that. Yeah. And I guess having that independency as an artist versus what you might have been prescribed or told to be mm. being under a label would be like a night and day experience as well, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of different people on our podcast, many of whom kind of started down in a brown parent approved career before <laughs> quitting and pursuing their passions and callings. What was life like for you before you entered this media space? Uh, so I guess I was what you call the, I wouldn't say black sheep of the family, but I definitely like bad egg. Like my parents are so supportive, always have been. But of course, my parents are traditional. So, you know, they were like, you know, you need to get your degree, make sure you've got that foundation And in many ways, I'm grateful for them pushing me to do that because at the time I learned a lot in my degree. I actually used some of the things I learned in my, like I do a lot of graphic stuff now and designing stuff now, which I implement there. So look, I'm looking at the positives, but you know, they had good intention. And my dad's always been like, you know, as I said, supportive of my music, putting me out on the stage Mm. and, and doing all of that. Before I did all this stuff, I was just working. It was actually a really cool job. I was an instructional designer and I loved it. Ooh. So I was designing learning programs. And then, of course, I did various jobs before right. then as well. But when I was doing all of that, I was always doing music on the side. So my intention mm. from the start has always been singing, being an artist. Plus, I was doing acting. I mean, gosh, I still remember in university, <laughs> I didn't tell my parents I deferred university. <laughs> Because I wanted to pursue a career. Oh so like, I've always been, I've always been pulling shit like this, like always. And they're like, oh my God, there she goes again. Like, and I didn't even defer correctly. Like I got failed for the last semester because I didn't even defer correctly. Oh, and no. I was out there on YouTube being like, listen to my song. Like this is going to be my career. So they knew it mm. from the start and they've been super supportive. But yeah, definitely still very traditional in many ways. Mm, yeah, I mean, that's like a classic story, right? Like I've heard <laughs> a few others who tell their parents they're going to uni or to their like accounting job, but it ended up like <laughs> yeah. doing something else on the side. Um, but I feel like all great stories start from something like that. Sure. Absolutely. You mentioned actually that presenting was something, I mean, aside from the radio, but doing like in-person presenting was something else that came up as a result of TikTok. How did that come about? Like where did the opportunities come from? or what are some experiences you had with that because that's amazing right like going from videoing yourself (laughs) by yourself to then presenting in front of people it's still nerve-wracking oh my gosh sometimes I I think like whenever before I'm about to present I'm like I want to die like I'm so terrified (laughs) I'm hard beating 50 miles per second but I was doing like my own lives and stuff like that on TikTok and everything and then of course the videos And then I would get like just these random opportunities to like host a TikTok live. And like, it made sense because, you know, I was doing lives as well. So I understood the viewer interaction component and everything. And and so when the opportunities came, I kind of thought, you know what, I'm going to say yes. And like, if for whatever reason, it all goes in flames, at least I gave it a go, even though it's in front of like thousands and thousands of people. It's fine. It's fine. Just do it. And I'm so glad I did because... I took it upon as a challenge and then I eventually found out that I really enjoyed it and it was a lot of fun and I met so many cool people doing that as well. So from one led to another to another and then eventually that kind of led to in-person presenting like in a live setting right. as opposed to virtual and then that's kind of how the radio thing came about after that. Mm. So it was kind of like one step at a time. I just kept saying yes to the opportunities and sometimes I was terrible, sometimes I was good but you know classic but it was I learned a lot through all of those processes and it was a lot of fun 
Yeah, incredible. And we'll get to your start on radio in a second. But <laughs> one thing that I did want to touch on is we read on an article that Lily Singh is a huge inspiration of yours. Yes. Um, and I also grew up watching Lily Singh's videos. I think a I lot think of us did. around yeah. our <laughs> age were kind of, yeah, always watching her videos. I remember her like daily vlogs and stuff she used to do back in the day. And to see where she's at now like when you've watched her videos from the beginning, you really know that she worked so hard to get to where she is yeah. today. What was the influence she had on your life and the decisions you made to just keep pursuing and like saying yes to all of these opportunities? That was massive. Like, especially because I always loved acting. Like I mm. genuinely love, especially like comedic, you know, mm -hmm. I was a drama kid at school. So I, I used to watch her videos and they were like so inspiring because I love the characters she played. She embodied her mm -hmm. storytelling. All of it was, you know, amazing. And of course she was another Indian and I was like, oh my God, that's yeah. so cool. Like that's, it's so possible. And she was kind of like, I'll probably say one of the first people I was introduced to online, a few others as well, where I was kind of like, oh, you can do this as a job. Like this is a thing that people can do. Oh my God, it made me so excited. And even like the characters I do now, like especially my dad character, my mom character that I do, of course, like 100% inspired by Lily Singh and, the, and you know, her characters. I mean, a lot of people comment as well. They're like, she's trying to be like Lily Singh. I'm like, yes, I am because I love her because <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah. Does it ever hit you that you're in a way playing a role to someone else as mm. not Lily Singh, but as Amnesia to be like, hey, you know, we grew up never seeing a brown voice on mainstream Australian radio but now we have someone playing that role and let's see where her career goes and see what parts she can pay for the rest of us a lot of pressure no 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 a lot of people <laughs> actually message and reach out you know saying like as I mentioned like you know that it's so cool to see you on the radio and do that and like even with the TikTok stuff and everything and like I feel like it's so nice and I don't think about it but then when obviously someone reaches out and says it I'm like oh my god like to have that I wouldn't say to have an influence like Lily Singh, but like, you know, to be put into that category potentially sometimes by people is like wild to me. It's absolutely mm, wild. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, even just what you've done so far, it doesn't even matter where it goes from here. Like the fact that you're just on there, like even for people like Sandin and I, who are like in the podcasting space um, as two brown people, it's so inspiring. Definitely kudos to you for just like, continuing to pursue and grab those opportunities that oh, they came you. um, you're making me blush guys stop in the comment <laughs> it's too much I don't have to take it <laughs> no I mean it's true right like there's so many people we've interviewed that even if they're not in the audio space like they're just doing something yeah. that you've opened a door yeah exactly that wasn't there before and growing up like I didn't even realize oh hey like there's no brown person on the radio like it never even hit me but then when you do hear like a brown name on the radio you're like oh hang on yeah. I've never heard someone else before this so like it makes you realize that there was no one else before them and then it's like oh she's actually doing something and paving the way so no we mean every word of it no thanks <laughs> <laughs> um like I said before I didn't realize or like it hadn't fully hit me that 96.1 as a radio station was rebranding until I turned the radio on like months and months ago. I guess from your experience with working with Kader, could you tell us a little bit about the significance of what they're doing as a radio station? Because I really think they're revolutionising, particularly for our sort of age bracket and when it comes to diversity, they're doing something so, so unique. So could you talk to us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So that was one of the biggest things for me when like I'd heard about Kada, it came along into my life. I was like, I love the fact, mm. you know, they were really representing Australian hip hop and R&B music, which doesn't get as much love as it should. And sure. obviously now it is, and we're seeing that happen, but you know, on commercial radio, that made me so excited. We have some insane artists. There's just so many people who are so talented. And, you know, as soon as I started getting them in interviews, playing them on the radio, just made me so happy. So there was that mm. plus of course, the diversity aspect too. Like you have all these incredible people from different spaces, like comedians. Um, obviously I do a lot of stuff on the internet in terms of like video content or music and then artists hosting who are subject matter experts in the music scene. Flex Mommy and Brooms who like have yeah. these massive conversations online and to bring them on. Like there was all these kind of components that bringing together made so much sense. And you're so right. Like we haven't seen that be done before and it's cool as well because I feel like what Kata does really really well is these conversations that we have on air the video stuff that we put out as well like there's all these different elements and it's really hitting the pulse on the culture like with things that are happening mm -hmm. online plus offline plus local artists and music and it's just all those different avenues that are being touched upon that I think is really great and is represented now on radio plus we also have an online presence too. So it's about pushing the needle forward consistently. And I feel like Kate is definitely mm. a part of that. Yeah, that's awesome. So I need to be careful about how I say this, but I also work at a radio station or audio media company in a strategy analyst role. And the place where I work goes out of the way to brand themselves as one of the most diverse media outlets in Australia. And they kind of push this narrative that they represent all Australians from all walks of life in different ways. If you were to, again, I'm trying to be careful with how I phrase this. <laughs> if you were to open or if you were to go to a channel where you could find this company, all you would see is white faces. And with all the different audio formats that they put out, they're all white narratives, right? So it really frustrates me seeing someone claim that they're representing Australia when they're being selective with the voices that they're using to put on their mm. platforms, right? Um, especially because you're kind of feeding a certain group of people mm. and ignoring another group. Mm -hmm. So as an example, when the Queen passed away, people of colour and diverse communities would have a very different perspective on her legacy versus white Australia. Mm. And that was a very different narrative that was being pushed through the airwaves just because we don't have those voices in the media rooms and the recording studios and the radio stations. Um, for you, in the role that you're in, do you feel a sense of responsibility to represent who you are as a brown woman and what a brown voice might be, just because there's so few of those in the Australian radio space? Or is it something that you're not hyper-conscious of, but you just want to be genuinely yourself and let that kind of come as a result of that? That's a really good question. I will say that I'm not hyper-conscious about it. Like, as I said, I love the fact that having a platform on the radio, for me, the biggest thing that I'm cognizant about is connection. And the only way I feel like I truly connect is, as you mentioned, being my like most authentic self. So my show is very lighthearted. And for me, I focus on that as well, because it's so important to me. Like everyone has such hard days. Life is hard. You go online and you get all these different narratives and it's just so much noise out there. So I try to make it a point of focus on the show to make it really lighthearted so people can have a laugh. 
especially it's drive. They've just had work. They're in their car. Mm. I want them to smile, be happy. And, and if you meet me, that's always the first thing in the forefront of my mind is like, mm. how can I make that person smile? How can I make them laugh? Let's all laugh together. And I mean, that's not life, of course, but I feel like that's representing my most authentic self. And so I try to push that out on the radio most of the time. And sometimes it's like, I sound like a crazy person and it's very nonsensical, but I feel like that's just me <laughs> calculated <laughs> as an individual. Mm. And I kind of agree with you, right? Because at the same time, like it's so important to have that break from your day-to-day life as well. So I do like that your segment is more like comedic and more fun and more lighthearted as well. But at the same time, I think you're like subconsciously being that representative in a very good way. And the fact that you are so like lighthearted and so relaxed and that comes through, I think is also a good thing but you know Sandin's about to get himself fired he's putting his life on the line for this podcast it's worth it it's worth it I'm standing by my values I'm standing by what I I believe in I respect that I'm I'm proud of you (laughs) Um, how do you know like the public received Kata like when it first came about or even now given that it is so different from what we're used to from mainstream radio I'm sure there was a population who would be like yeah this is awesome like this is what we needed But at the same time, I'm assuming that there might be another part of the population that's kind of like, what is this? Like, this is not what I'm used to. This is not what you're right. It was a rebrand as well. So like a lot of the old listeners were kind of like, where did the edge go? Like, what just happened? We're like, you know, we're here now kind of thing. So of course, like, I think it was one of those things where people had to just get, you know, used to. And of course, some people were like, what is this? Some people loved it. And we're very new as a radio station, but the response has been amazing, which has Mm. been really, really nice, you know? And I think it's, once again, it's one of those things where it's nice to kind of hear what your world, your echo chamber, to hear it reflected on the radio is always a nice thing. And I think because we have such a diverse group of people in different expertise, different areas, you get a bit of everything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's such a great way as well of remaining relevant, right? Like for radio to remain relevant to younger generations as well. Like I think with everyone, you know, being able to easily connect to like Spotify in their car and stuff like that. I wonder like statistics wise, and I don't know, but if radio was feeling the hit. If if only you had a friend who worked in strategy for one of Australia's biggest audio media companies (laughs) from me where you can't get the statistics from. Please tell us the stats then because like (laughs) I just feel like it's such a good way of yeah like I said just connecting with that demographic because once things stop connecting with you you won't really connect with that source of media anymore right whereas Mm. like now knowing that there is this radio station that's connecting with me for example from a personal standpoint I'm like yeah I want to switch this on when I'm driving because I know the people I'm listening to like I can relate to and I like the conversations that are happening here yeah so I think yeah that's also another side of it where it's kind of adapting yeah Mm. Absolutely. And you have to, I think Mm. you have to find those demographics and those key people that you're trying to reach, because if it's like so general, then Mm. no one's going to connect, you know. Um, One of the exec producers for Breakfast Show at the place where I work was talking last week about how there's this kind of assumption that audiences in radio have that 
radio presenters have a really crazy job, right? Like you just come <laughs> on for two hours a day and you have a conversation oh with your friends about what's going on in your life. And they were kind of debunking that saying that, you know, it's obviously an extremely hard job to be on every day at really weird hours, kind of push aside maybe some other things that are going on in your life to be entertaining, to be engaging, to be funny. And it's clearly not an easy job, right? To be so entertaining, so consistently. A hundred percent. For you, what has that experience been like, given that, well, firstly, have you had any experience in radio prior to coming to Cater? And how were you able to kind of adapt to building those skills to run a show so smoothly having mm. maybe not had as much experience being in the radio space before yes yeah, so I didn't have crazy amounts of experience I mean I was presenting and doing hosting stuff and then I did TikTok trending on iHeartRadio for mm. for like a year I want to say and that was very like an hour maybe once a week and then it was less and less, but um, that was a really great introduction and the team's amazing. And it was a really great introduction to radio, but very different to doing a two hour show Monday through to Friday. So I kind of learned a bit about the structure and the TikTok training on iHeart. I, I did that with um, Isaiah Firebrace, Tana and G Flip. And then that's doing so well now with like, we have like, all these guests who come through and do the show and like, you know, you have like Delta, Ola, like it's really, really great. But that was the first introduction I had for a year. And, but it was, yeah, once again, very different. Mm-hmm. I jumped into doing my full show, Keeping Up With Evnesia as myself. And then of course I have my producer, Brooke, who is phenomenal, but it has been the biggest learning curve of my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. I kid you not. And I can put all the myths to an end because it is, so difficult to one you know prepare a show do the behind the scenes of the content and then you know of course once you're on the show learning the structure of radio and understanding how to back announce forward announce ensuring that you hit these marks and all that like it's an art and I Mm. I'm far from really executing it properly yet like I still have a long way to go because I'm I'm still very new to it like Kata, I think we're five months old, maybe. Mm. That's probably wrong, but something around that mark. And so that's definitely not long enough. And then, of course, with TikTok training, I learned a lot as well. But this has definitely been the biggest learning curve. And it's still really difficult in terms of just like learning the art of it, the ropes of it. And I have a lot of support, so I'm so grateful for that. But it's not easy. (laughs) No, I can definitely imagine. I mean, in our format, being in podcasts, we struggle in that. And the beauty of it is that we're not live, right? (laughs) So if Romy and I say anything that we don't like, we can always go back and re-record it. Or we can edit it to make ourselves out smarter mm. than what we actually are. Whereas for you, yeah. it's a whole different ball game. So I don't even want to think about having to mess with all of that. Um, you mentioned <laughs> your segment, Keeping Up With Avnisha, and you talk about so many different things. Music, of course, but also pop culture and trends and what's happening in media overall. What's your process like for choosing what topics to cover in your segment? Like, How do you figure out what your audience would most resonate and like to hear about versus mm. balancing what you want to speak to? Yeah, I talk a lot about all things the internet and of course, like my life stories. So I try to like look at trending stuff, like things that are happening that a lot of conversations are going on online about. So definitely touch upon that as well as, you know, I love pop culture. I love, you know, reading all that stuff online. And so, you know, touching upon things that I think are amusing. Like I think the other day, this is an example, like Kid Cudi talked about how he might leave music and want to become 
a was it a kindergarten teacher or something and I was like oh my god he'd be the best teacher ever but like things like that <laughs> that I thought oh that's a lot of people are talking about it I'd love to you know take that on air and then of course personal stories like I just went to Portugal so I love to share like things that are happening in my life that people might relate to that I think people would have a great opinion on and eventually down the track I'd love to take phoners and phone calls and really get people's opinions in in real time which will be amazing yeah and the other thing is like you do this show by yourself right like I know you've obviously got your producer but you don't have a co-host to bounce off of as well how do you I guess like keep things going in a sense like do you ever feel stumped sometimes or are you at a point now where you're used to it where you can just keep the ball rolling because that's the other thing like I can't imagine having to sit there for two hours like talking at a microphone I start I start hating my voice I'm like oh my god (laughs) why is it sounding more nasally today like you know (laughs) I felt that when I initially started I was like a lot of the topics that I'm talking about I was like oh I feel like because they're so wacky and weird I need to have that bounce that kind of Mm. conversation almost so my producer Brooke she's once again amazing she now is a very big part of the show so she definitely chimes in a lot and you know we'll add in her two cents on what she thinks of the topic plus we have a really good rapport and she's been in radio for years so has taught me so much and then of course another element that we want to add in because we we I get a lot of creators to come through as well mm. who will talk about a topic with me sometimes I've had people come in as a guest for a whole show which has been great so mm. I'm glad because I honestly two hours listening to my voice as well I feel bad for the people in my car like you know <laughs> too much <laughs> not at all <laughs> uh, one thing as well is you mentioned before that sometimes you'll lean on your personal stories mm-hmm. how do you figure out like the fine line of <laughs> how much you want to share especially on air <laughs> um, where you can't take things back for your mum dad your husband to call you later and be like why did you say that so funny you say that my mom literally she was like I'm scared to listen to your show because I don't know what you're gonna say and then she's like I'm learning more about you through your show than I have in life Mm. and I'm like what mom no not even I'm always think about the story definitely before I'm like okay what part do I want to say of that story what part do I want to cut out but I try not to overshare definitely and Mm. but you know there's some stories like me growing up that I'll share my mom's like you don't need to share that like (laughs) just keep that one to yourself (laughs) but I am careful I am definitely very careful one thing that Romy and I do is send each other different podcasts that we're listening to just to be like hey I really like how this person asked this question or I really like the segment or format they've done this in just so we can start kind of working on our craft not to say that we follow through on that and we actually practice what we preach but that's something that we we try and strive to do to kind of push ourselves to learn and develop as podcasters what's your process like in terms of working on your craft do you listen back to yourself and kind of critique or do you listen to other people in the radio space and learn from them okay this is like something that I really need to get over but I hate hearing myself back like I hate it like if I'm playing on the radio I'm like turn it off which is terrible I don't know why I'm like that it's just it's so bad but I do try and force myself to listen to myself back so I can be like okay and then of course I listen to other shows because God, there's so many great different radio presenting styles. You know, I work with a lot of people in different presenting jobs and I'll watch people 
just like absolutely kill it i remember co-hosting mm. at the elvis premiere and i learned so much just observing people so i love to observe people i you know the other presenters as well like for example keen and yaz they do the breakfast mm. show and they've been in the interview for a really long time and they've given me tips plus i watch them kill it every day they're incredible so things like that observing mm. listening and then of course i listen to a lot of podcasts as well that's a great way like the way people yeah. interview others and of course present it's really difficult and yeah you can learn a lot from a lot of people Mm. yeah i think we struggle to listen to our own voices yeah. as well. like we i have don't to blame you to, i, I like edit or draft i don't know what it is about just listening to your own voice but you're right like it's so useful like even at my corporate job uh, my old manager he forced me to re-watch my previous recordings of presentations I did to help me improve and like make notes on myself and I was like why are you doing this to me I hate <laughs> did he watch it with and, like, you watching me no 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 oh, okay. he just told me to do it in my own time <laughs> thankfully <laughs> Um, but it helped because I was like, oh, okay, these are my crutch words. Like, this mm. is what I, you know, need to improve on. Um, and it, it totally helps. Like, no matter which space you're in, like, I think it's always... Um, 100% it helps. So helpful and crutch words, you're so right. Like, I realized yeah. I say it's a vibe, like, way too much. Because, like, <laughs> we'll have meetings where, like, you know, not, like, that many people, but, like, me, my producer, another person just to shape the craft and so we'll listen back to some recordings just to be like hey you know maybe you tried this or tried that it's like brutal but it's amazing and it's great and mm -hmm. this is what you know it's a great thing that we do but I noticed in one of those recordings that I say it's a vibe so much and then I remember interviewing Morat and she's amazing I had the best time interviewing her but when I watched back the video we should have put a counter there or tally of how many times I said it's a vibe <laughs> And I still say it. I don't know why. I think because now I'm cognizant about the fact that I say it, that I don't want to yeah. say it. I say it more. If I say it in this podcast, please reprimand me. I, like, said it so far. I don't think you've said it a single time oh until God. this sentence. What do you think our crush words are, Romy? I don't know. I feel like we always start questions with like, oh, that's amazing. And then questions yeah. like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. Like the transitions could yeah. use some improvement. Something for us They're to think hard, about. Though. Transitions are hard. You guys are doing amazing. Like, I, I haven't picked up any like crutch words, that's for sure. But it's interesting you say that because I say that's amazing a lot as well. Mm. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And I mean it every time I say it, but it's just, yeah, so yeah. I just need to find different words. Exactly. I think awesome might be yours, Seven, now that I'm thinking about it. That's the only one I can Don't worry, we all do. Anyway. <laughs> What we also want to understand a little bit more, and you mentioned this at the very beginning when you were talking about your upbringing and your Indian and Sikh background, is when it comes to your Punjabi culture, even just scrolling through your Instagram, we can see the importance that it actually plays in your life. Um, I remember seeing the video of your Celine Dion challenge and when you took off the jumper you're wearing a lehenga underneath which we love <laughs> and in a bigger way some of your singles are a mix of Punjabi and English right like the actual lyrics and they even have Punjabi names can you talk to us about the relationship you have with your culture yeah absolutely I mean it's growing up I like my parents are Punjabi they grew up in India my brother was born in India and they moved here and I was born in Sydney and all my life like I was you know, around an Indian community, going to the Gurdwara with my parents. And then, of course, I was obsessed with Bollywood films. I still am. Like, that's why I the most recent song I put out, you know, Kasam, which was one of my favourite 
Bollywood films, May Prem Ki Divani Hun, and then I wanted to use that kind of sample in the song. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it's a big part of who I am, and I'm you know really proud of it. That's why I wanted to kind of do the Punjabi and English fusion plus the Hindi and English fusion with the music and and reflect that, and then you know the langas or if it's the Punjabi suit or whatever it might be. Like I like to kind of put that in the art wherever I can if it's like a music video or if it's you know if it makes sense so yeah it's a big part of me <laughs> yeah we love that I mean we always love hearing artists who are able to interweave the sounds mm. of their ancestral roots into their creative endeavors we interviewed Elfresh the Lion on our podcast oh, he's earlier. the coolest so good. he's a vibe he Sorry, is a vibe to poke fun at you. <laughs> she got that it. clearly didn't translate <laughs> no she did anyway. I was like oh my god I didn't say it <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, the, just the way like he's able to kind of address his relationship with his culture, not only lyrically, but sonically as well, right? The way he kind of like samples yeah. Indian music with like 808s and things like that is just incredible. Um, he mentions that it was a way for him to kind of feel connected to his culture, but also rekindle the pride he has for his heritage mm. and kind mm-hmm. of embrace that hybrid existence that he has. What inspires you to do the same with your music? Because I feel like... It's so easy to get caught up in the trap of, you know, there's two lanes, right? There's Eastern music, there's Western music. It's really hard to execute tastefully a uh, mirage of both. How do you kind of pull from that? Because I feel like the mm. very different scales you're working with, very different sounds you're working with, it's really hard to execute. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I, For me, it's like, so for example, like, the song with Kasam, like, I remember, like, I would listen to that song on repeat and I watched that movie, like, I think... God, a hundred times. And so I was like, you know what? I can re-sing this. All the Bollywood songs, like Bollywood pop songs, they're so high in register. I'm definitely not Lata Mangesh. I cannot sing <laughs> that high. It's insane. It's amazing. So the good thing is with like doing the English fusion, I like to bring it down where it fits with my register. And with a lot of the um, Punjabi or Hindi music, melodically, it's stunning. Like yeah, the melodies absolutely. that are there are phenomenal and you can play with so much. And so even just taking that as a sample, re-singing it, transposing it down, and then just using that melody line into the verses, that works. Like it just sounds great. To me, whatever feels good, that's kind of how I use my gut feeling that way. I'm like, this makes me happy. This feels good. Let's just follow that. And a lot of the time it's a good outcome, touch wood, but I found that with that song specifically, plus a lot of the other songs that I'm planning to do with that fusion mix is that mm. the melodies in like Indian music is insane. Like if they're actually insane, mm. depending from which Absolutely. area, it doesn't matter. It's like melodically, they're just phenomenal. And so there's so much you can do with that. It's a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I totally agree. Like Sandin and I both um, speak Tamil and we can understand Tamil, but I could listen to like a Hindi song, a Punjabi song, like any language and you, they're just incredible and they just move you in a way, even if you can't understand yeah. the words themselves. And then you look at the subtitles and they're totally butchering the original <laughs> yeah. when they get translated into English, but you know that the actual language is doing the same I justice. I think Jay well. Sean did a video. I don't know if it was on his TikTok or Instagram. I remember seeing him doing the video where he translates um yeah, some of like the about. famous Bollywood scene <laughs> I was wrecked I it's, it's that is funny just yeah. 
That's so, so funny. <laughs> Speaking of, if there was an Indian artist specifically or a South Asian artist that you can collab with, um, someone in Australia or like even, you know, someone who's in the Bollywood industry at the moment, who would you want to collaborate with? Um, okay, if I had to choose one right now that I'd love to collab with would be A.P. Dillon because oh, yep. he's so talented, like personally, yeah. ridiculously talented. His voice is insane, but he reminds me of Drake in a sense, mm. like just mm. with the, I forget who his producer is. I remember looking that up, but just like the soundscapes he uses, like, I don't know, it gives me this Drake essence, but obviously the Punjabi version, but he's mm-hmm. so, he's so talented. So I'd love to. Yeah. Him. That's mad. Yeah. yeah. In terms of someone you have interviewed already, I know we've talked about who your dream collab is because I saw your video where you were interviewing Lizzo, which is <laughs> amazing. Um, maybe she's the answer day. to this question. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine. But who's someone you interviewed that you really fangirled about or that absolutely blew you away? Ah. Oh. I'm going to say Lizzo for now because I've gone blank entirely about everyone else who I've interviewed. <laughs> but she was definitely up there. I mean, it was like, mm. I, it was wild just to be in her presence. She's so lovely. She's so sweet. But you know what, though? I will say, like, I've interviewed a few people and my favorite kind of, I guess, interactions, and Lizzo was definitely one of them, is like when People are just so sweet and they're so nice mm-hmm. and they're so kind. And I know that sounds so like, I don't know, like obviously kind of thing, but it's just that meeting people who are super humble is like the nicest thing ever. And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember meeting another great example of this was Will Singe. Mm-hmm. I interviewed him. He's just so kind, like so kind. And it was just really nice. It was a really nice interaction. And so I really enjoyed that. Like when I meet people, I'm like, wow. You're just a really lovely yeah. person. is yeah. is really nice. I mean, we'll be saying the same thing about you when oh, we sign absolutely. off from this call oh. as well, right? <laughs> Romina, will be like, oh, she was so sweet. just like I practiced. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amisha, what are your long term visions and goals with your creative career? I would say my biggest dream is to be a touring artist. And that being my full-time thing, going around, like, you know, performing my songs, but also, you know, doing the acting stuff, doing the funny videos, because I enjoy them so much. And basically doing everything I'm doing now, but having music at the forefront. Because I think for me, the biggest message I want to get across is that we're all so multifaceted and you don't have to stick Mm -hmm. to one thing and be put into this category. Mm. Because I find that, there's still that mentality there where it's like, yeah. if you want to be taken seriously as this, you just need to be this. Or if you want to be taken seriously as this, you need to be this. And it's like, well, no, wait a minute. None of us are like that. Like I know my friends, all of them are like so multifaceted. They're like 101 things. And when you get to know them, they're doing all this stuff. So why put the one thing forward? And so I, to me, that's super important. And so hoping that that's 
where I reach in like five to 10 years and I'm able to be doing everything at that point. Oh, love that. Amazing. We're going to be at your concert just cheering you <laughs> on cheering one you day. On. You'll be <laughs> backstage. What are you talking about? Oh, no. Hell please. yeah. <laughs> You'll forget us. <laughs> no, <laughs> not even. You joking? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, as a way of wrapping up our recording with you, um, we've released two card games recently as part of our podcast brand. So oh one my God. A- Good on you. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. So one is a drinking game. So that's obviously a party game, funny, South Asian related questions. Mm. The other one is a conversations game. So that's more like deeper questions that you can play with your loved ones or your family. Um, And we thought to ask you one of the questions from our conversations game as a way of wrapping up. Are you ready? I am ready (laughs) as ever. Let's do it. What does our South Asian community need to unlearn? that we need to do things to impress others. I feel mm. like everyone needs to right unlearn that. They're not just the South Asian community, yeah. like everyone. It's so hard, I know, but we need to unlearn that. And honestly, like it's not something that you just do one day. It's like an ongoing thing where mm. you have to keep teaching yourself yeah. to do that. I do every day when I post a video, I'm like, should I post that? Just do it. And so, mm. you know, it's one of those things. Living for others. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. That was the quickest answer I think that we've gotten to one of these questions. Usually people are like, oh, give me a minute. But then you just came straight out there. I watch a lot of, I'm going to say Jay Shetty. That's oh, I, I love watch. Jay Shetty. Oh, my God. I feel like he's repaired me. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Moment. He's awesome. He's amazing. I love him. He's amazing, yeah. Well, Avnisha, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I know Sandler was like jokingly saying this before, but your energy and your kindness seriously just shone through the camera. This is the first time that we've met you and it's not even in person, (laughs) but you were just so kind and patient. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for coming on. It was an honor to meet you. Oh, thank you guys. And honestly, that's the biggest compliment. So thank you and vice versa. Honestly, I had the best time. Keep killing it. I'm sure I'll talk to you very soon. Thanks so much, Alicia. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We said this before and we'll say it again. Abnesia has such positive energy and we hope you felt and enjoyed that in our conversation as much as we did. To see more of Abnesia, you can check her out on Instagram and TikTok at Abnesia underscore official. And join us next time where we chat with the one and only Neil Kolhatka, Australian comedian and podcast host. We've been following your stuff since high school, so I can't wait for that one. We'll see you then. Bye.